Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Lisa Odenweller, CEO and founder of Chroma Wellness, a premium functional health and superfood company delivering nutritional well-being through simplified, superior, nutrient-rich, and delicious products that help you form healthier habits. Chroma offers a first-of-its-kind five-day lifestyle reset anchored in shelf-stable, powder-based offerings incorporating over 100 superfoods focused on flavor-forward nourishment first deprivation. A wellness visionary with over two decades of experience, Lisa's mission with Chroma is to help people realize the power of nutrition combined with the employment of simple shifts that can lead to life-changing results. Prior to Chroma, Lisa was the founder and CEO of Beaming Superfood Cafes in Southern California, one of the early innovators and most respected wellness bars in the space. In this episode, we chat about Lisa's deep mission to make an impact in the world with food as medicine at the forefront, starting with her first business, Beaming. She shares how she lost control of the company and the lessons learned from that experience, like the importance of finding the right partners and not growing too quickly. We talk about how she's doing things differently this time around with Chroma as a D2C business and getting partners like Dr. Will Cole and Gwyneth, who by the way, she had on her vision board to invest, the importance of getting clear of what you want, how matcha was the inspiration for the new brand, and how Chroma serves to teach people new habits to feel their absolute best. And I can attest, I did the reset and felt amazing. Keep listening to hear all the juicy details. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. It's so wonderful to see you. It's been so long. It's so good to see you, Elizabeth. It has been way, way, way too long. And I'm so excited for us to have a juicy conversation and to connect and so many shared just inspirations along the way that we've shared. So it's really cool. Totally. You are really a pioneer in the space. And if I think back to when you opened Beaming and you were one of our first cafes to carry purely Elizabeth. And I remember beaming, reaching out and just be like, oh my God, we have a juice bar. Who's reaching out? How do they even know about us? You were so ahead of, ahead of your time. So a, thank you for carrying our product way back in the day, but B kudos to you. And I would love to really start your story of how you started beaming, but from a personal standpoint, I'm curious, what was your wellness journey even before beaming? Yeah. Thank you for asking. And I really just have to acknowledge you, you brought that such a, I literally got goosebumps when you said that we were one of the first ones to carry it. Cause I remember it. And I remember finding your granola and I'm such a, a seeker of great products. Right. And when I find ones that have the integrity and match sort of my philosophies and values and yours, all of your products do and how you've approached things is so similar to how I have. So I think that's certainly been a synergy synergy between us that we've shared but I remember that. And I remember we used it on our acai bowls and everyone loved it. And so anyway, I just want to acknowledge you and everything that you accomplished because it, it's fun that I was sort of there in the beginning with you. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I think all of uh, us are inspired along the way from something personal. For me, there's sort of two critical pivotal moments. Well, one is I grew up in a very healthy family. So my grandfather did a thousand push-ups and sit-ups a day. He always took the stairs. My parents exercised every day. We never had junk food at the house. So the kids didn't want to come to our home <laughs> after school because we didn't have Twinkies and junk food and stuff and white bright bread. So I always grew up in a healthy family, but I had this underlying desire to feel empowered with my health and had this fear of going to the doctor someday and them telling me something bad. And I wanted to feel like I had control. So when I think back to it, it kind of goes way, way, way back to just even my childhood. Fast forward, exercise all the time, was healthier than probably most people. Got to my late thirties, had three kids and my husband and I at the time, my, we were starting to feel that shift in our late thirties and more inflammation, chronic fatigue. My hair was falling out, weight gain, really foggy brain. Also my daughter, who I believe at the time was like nine, was on ADD medication. And I, it really did not, it didn't settle for me. And it made me sick that I had her on medication and that medication led to a mood disorder. So then the doctors prescribed a mood disorder medication and that made her catatonic 
and literally just like kind of lifeless. So as a parent, those are pretty, pretty traumatic things uh, to see. And I really had to take health into our own hands for both my, my husband and I and my daughter to figure out what we could do. And really it was through, you know, so many other steps along the way, but it was really understanding the food is medicine and the power of food is medicine and what we put in our body matters and, and how we treat our bodies. And it's a holistic cycle, but food start with food. So my ex-husband and I, we were really starting to make simple shifts in our diets, everything from just incorporating more plants, making sure we used all organic, removing any gluten, not using any refined sugars, like simple things, right? Yeah. And just making sure we were eating clean. It wasn't about perfection. We didn't stop drinking wine and <laughs> having meatballs, but we were much more conscious about the types of foods we were putting in our body and the balance of that. Then add to the fact that we removed all the inflammatory triggers, the food inflammatory triggers from my daughter's diet. So again, sugar, wheat, dairy, processed foods, anything with colors and dyes, goldfish and wheat thins and things that we thought were healthy at the time. And as soon as we did that within weeks, she did not need medication anymore. Wow. And she was thriving in school and it was a complete shift. And it was really an aha moment for me personally, really looking at the power of our choices. And I felt in that moment, it was like, I have to do something. I have to share this information. And this is changing the, the trajectory of my daughter's life, not to mention how my husband and I were aging and wanting to feel like I had to contribute in some way. And that really just became sort of like, okay, now what do I write a book? Do I do blogs? And remember this was back, you know, I want to say it's 14 years ago. So we've come a long way since, I think you would agree with me. There's so much farther for us to go. And we just got to keep you know, doing the things that we're all doing and keep coming together and educating and inspiring. But at that time, it wasn't the movement it is today. Totally. There was no converse. Like we were so on the fringe. Barely, barely. I mean, Mind Body Green had just started and they were like the, the center of the content around wellness, right? And we were doing juice cleanses back then. And that was another thing that made me crazy because I couldn't understand why we were drinking 220 grams of sugar a day. And just so we could fit in our skinny jeans. And I, there were a lot of things that just didn't make sense to me along the way. Obviously it started with the personal health of my family. And then I just started kind of looking at this bigger scope of what's needed in the world and what are we missing and how do we really make impact? And so I went on a mission to really understand food as medicine. I went to IIN. Um, I didn't realize you went, maybe I forgot that you did IIN. What year did you do the program? 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. A long time ago. Um, I did 2007. I, okay. So 2012, yeah, that's probably about my timing. Yeah. About the same time. We probably were in the same class. So, but and just went on that personal journey of, okay, what do I do with this? And I remember traveling to New York, not and in going to every juice bar, every raw food cafe, or, you know, it was what organic uh, Avenue <laughs> blueprint cleanse. We had one lucky dog, pure food and wine, liquidaria. I would go and I would literally buy one of everything, bring it back to my hotel room, take pictures, take notes, trying to understand what do I think is really good? What do I think there's the opportunity to be better? And how do we speak to a bigger audience? And, and I, I mentioned New York just because New York was ahead of the movement for some totally. strange reason, yeah. way ahead of LA, which people never believe me when I say that I traveled the country. And then I just really had this vision. Like, what if I create a place that really has this very vibrant, approachable energy that up levels what it means to, you know, have healthy grab and go. I didn't, there was inspirations along the way, but I'd never want, seen anyone do what we did with beaming and really take healthy food to the next level, marry function and flavor use the highest integrity ingredients and really very culinary inspired. I am a total foodie. So for me, I brought in top chefs. I was in the kitchen and we just started making beautiful, delicious grab and go food. And, and just really kind of started looking at superfoods and how to start to incorporate mushrooms and maca and things that people hadn't started talking about yet. I don't even think four sigmatics was around at that time. So no, it, was really it was just home probably. Just home, who I love. Um, yes, and Sandra's we, been on the podcast, actually. I saw that. And I love her. And she's local San Diego. And we use her mushrooms in our products because I know how high, high integrity they are. And then, you know, it was just like, how do we educate people? And we had this thing with Beaming where 
when I was training the staff, it was like, we want everyone to walk away with something of education or inspiration. You've touched their life in some way. And that was really the birth of beaming the first one, which was in Del Mar in December, 2012. Now I should note that while I was building that I was going through divorce and, and I didn't have a dollar to my name. And this was just being birthed. I sometimes say it was like a divine intervention because the mission was so big that I, I couldn't not do it. And we started a year ahead of time doing cleansing and with food and really trying to help people understand that it's not about starving yourself. How do you put good nutrition in your body, make it taste delicious, make you feel so good. And of course, look so good that you wanted to continue the journey. And that was the birth of beaming, which is really the same exact ethos that has gone into Chroma. Wow. So obviously you were, went to IAN and had that piece of the background, but what were you doing career-wise prior to beaming? Like certainly starting up a cafe is no easy task and takes a lot of guts and certainly having that mission is huge, but did you have any idea how to do any of that? No, I had no idea. I didn't have um, any background in restaurants. I had never worked in one. I didn't have a culinary background. I mean, to some extent I had the nutrition background, but it was pretty self-taught. And I certainly had never built a business plan before, and I had never raised money, let alone four and a half million dollars. And so, yeah, it was definitely, I, I don't, I, I wasn't, I didn't have the pedigree that you would normally have to go do it, but I had that tenacity, that mission that this has to happen. I have to change lives prior to that. I mean, I've had so many different careers. I mean, everything from a jewelry company to an interior design company, I was in the software industry for years with Oracle and in the e-commerce business. And then even before that, my first job at a college was with Nestle selling chili and cheese sauce and country sauces gravy. So <laughs> that's amazing. So, um, so yeah, so not my most proud moment, but it was one of those moments where I was like, how am I selling this? This is horrifying. But anyway, so kind of fast forward, I always had that very entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. When I had children, I started to really start my own companies because I needed it to work for me. And when I was in the software industry, I was traveling the, the country, the world really, and I wasn't available for my kids. So part of it was out of necessity. There was always this underlying, like just burning inside me that I was like, I, I want to make an impact in the world. Like, how do I make a difference? And I didn't know. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, in some ways, I guess I do feel like sort of the light came down and, and sort of delivered this calling to me, but it's not, I I didn't work my whole life to get to this moment. It really became out of just my own needs for myself and my family. And then knowing that I had to share it with the world. I think that's such a good point. Like having such a greater purpose in the business that you're trying to start, I think plays such a big role in eliminating of course there's fear, but of just having like, I need to do this. And, and while the fear exists, I think that's a really important thing to know. You know, what's right when you have that passion that this is going to be game-changing in a bigger way than financially, right? If there's a true purpose. It's you're so, so, so right. And I think so many entrepreneurs can relate to that. And it's conviction of that. It just, I can't not do this. Right. And I do think, I mean, I think back to just when that was and where I was in my life. And again, going through divorce, having three young kids, I couldn't even afford to pay my employees. So they were living in my children's rooms and my children's children moved into my rooms while we were trying to build the first cafe for beaming. Wow. Children were labeling bottles and then their friends would come over and label bottles. I mean, it was a factory. Like we were just like, whatever it took to bring this. You're all in. You're all in. And what I knew was it was working, right? So we had launched these five-day cleanses, superfood cleanses. It was changing people's lives. And then the momentum of that was like, oh, wait, okay, keep going. This is working. People want this. They are freaking out because they don't want to stop and they feel inspired for the first time, maybe ever. We have to do this. So it was, it was just whatever it takes. So you open the first one, things are going really well. I I also think about the chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if you had those at the beginning, but those were so good. <laughs> so it's so Can funny. you bring them back at Chroma somehow? So this is the third podcast interview this week that's brought up the cookie. No, so- <laughs> it's a sign. I would call that a sign. 
pretty much everyone that runs into me is like, but the cookie, so, um, there's a good chance the cookie might make a cameo experience, uh, uh, appearance at some point. Um, okay, so great. yeah, that one's, that one's coming back. There's a couple other things like that. So I know that was a really special cookie, but the funny story behind that cookie, just to kind of like go way, way, way yeah. back is when I was in high school, I was the girl that made all the cookies for the football players. Now I'm sure I had an ulterior motive there. Um, right, obviously. <laughs> so, but I was the one and always making chocolate chip cookies every weekend for the boys. And then I would eat too much batter and then I would feel sick. And so I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make a healthy chocolate chip cookie. Now, mind you, I'm like 15, 16, 17, right? So it took me 30 plus years to perfect the recipe. Oh, but so um, funny. Afterward, it's funny that the cookie became one of the most memorable products for, for beaming. People would, would door dash that across LA. I ordered them here in Boulder. <laughs> That's amazing. I would actually, so when you had the location at the airport, I was happy to be flying Southwest at LAX so I could get the cookie before getting on the plane. Oh my God. That's so good. And the banana bread the and banana the banana bread. bread. Yeah. It was really good. I used to make loaves of it and send it to Drew Brees and his wife because they love it so much. That's hilarious. So obviously a ton of success first location, and then ultimately take us down the path of you got to 12 or so locations. And I left after 10 locations after the second year, we expanded to LA. Um, we opened three locations in five months Uh, in Santa Monica, Brentwood and West Hollywood. I was total mayhem because we didn't, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't from LA. I, I didn't know LA. So that's a whole different beast. Sure. So I had to really immerse myself into LA, learn it, network there. My daughter was 16. She ended up homeschooling herself, moving to LA with me to launch the stores there. And it was an incredible experience because LA, if they embrace you, it's, it's a pretty crazy, fun, wild ride. And they did. When we all the celebrities came and we were in all the magazines and really people loved it. And people would stop me on the streets and half the time they'd be crying. Do you know what, how this has changed my life? So that's amazing. It, it was a really incredible experience. It was also just total chaos, right? I mean, to try to do that with, within that short amount of time, I can't say that we had the infrastructure in place to do it. And I think we navigated it really, really well. Um, for the most part, my team was great. And then the, the, just the business kept expanding and we ended up partnering with Equinox. We opened a location in the LAX airport, which was really cool. And the brand was very, very loved. And the Del Mar location was certainly our kind of flagship. That was the one where we kind of defied all odds. We did something that no one believed we could do. I think in the time we were more successful than any other concept in the country in this cute little Del Mar town tucked behind McDonald's with no street signs. It was, it was an exciting ride and a lot of, a lot of beautiful moments and a lot of hard lessons. So ultimately you ended up leaving and let's get into a little bit of that and kind of the lessons learned that then takes you into where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was one of those, I had, I think as an entrepreneur, we're not great at everything. And I think I was really great at building a beautiful brand. I think we had the best food probably anywhere we had, we were ahead of our time. We really were innovators in the space, but I also hadn't led a company of that magnitude. I hadn't raised money. I had never had a board. I didn't know what it meant to build kind of an executive team, right. And people who were much more qualified than you in the areas that you're not as good at. And in the end, leaving Chroma was the most traumatic experience of my life. It's not what I had envisioned. Beaming was another child for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where it just very frankly speaking, I lost control and the board got control of the company. And that's a whole conversation itself. But one of my big, huge lessons was choose your board and make sure if you're going to have one that they're in alignment with you and that when things don't go well, which they were hundred percent, not always go well, that instead of pointing fingers, they're working with you to figure out how to navigate through it. And unfortunately I didn't have that board. And so it was a very antagonistic situation. It was incredibly heartbreaking for me because I felt very misunderstood. And I was seeing the, really the good that we were doing in the world, but we were misaligned in sort of how we looked at kind of approaching the business from a place of abundance versus scarcity. And in the end, it was the demise of the business, honestly. And it was one of those moments of truth for me where 
I was fighting for a brand that I loved dearly, but I was fighting on my own and I had to exit, to be honest. And I, there was many moments I was on the floor hysterical and I would say it was way worse than my divorce or any other thing that I've gone through in my life because it, it wasn't, I just wanted to protect it and I wanted to protect all the good that it was doing. And it was also my, my best teacher. It was very humbling. I had to really take a step back and learn and, and really go inside and understand how did I get here and how do I never get here again? And what was my role in this? And what's the accountability that I can take away with me so that I can really turn this experience into a positive so that I can continue to take my strengths and, and hopefully contribute them again and continue this, this journey. But there's some learnings I need to do along the way. So it was one of those really tough entrepreneurial stories. I had the wrong partners. I made a mistake around not having a business partner or even just a counterpart in operations and finance. I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're usually really good as visionaries and creators, or maybe we're a great operator. Rarely do we get both. And I didn't have that great operating partner that could really help be the dashboard for me to make business decisions with. So I think that was another big takeaway. And, and I think we grew too fast. We had the momentum. I felt the pressure of that. I felt the pressure of we're the hottest, you know, co company in the space someone's going to steal our idea. We've got to get there first, um, take it when, when it's good. And I think those, there's some truth to that, but I think there's, there's an aspect of, I think we just sort of were, it, we were running so fast that we didn't really uh, take the time to build the foundations that would allow the business to really grow and thrive. So lots, lots of lessons. Yeah. I mean, I thank you for sharing. And I think it's so important for other entrepreneurs to hear that partner piece, because I, I can speak for myself too. Like, certainly that's the scariest thing is bringing on a partner, which everyone has to do at some point and making sure that they're, that you're aligned. So I guess my question for you is what, what were some of those true lessons and tips that you could share, I guess, of how do you assess that out at the beginning? And how do you really know, is this person going to be? Because, right, you have conversations with people going through the process of fundraising, but it's like, okay, how do I really know how you're going to be? So, so true. And I don't know. So I'll, I'll tell you sort of partner from two different definitions. Yeah. One is the business partner that I have that's building the company with me side by side, you know, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, that partner is, is my, I mean, he and I make the whole, right. And so that was a really important thing for me to find from the get-go, knowing I was going to go into another creation, but that was a missing link with beaming. So finding that partner isn't easy. And for anyone who's ever partnered with someone, it's, it's really finding that person that's going to have the same conviction and care as much as you do. And I just happened to get lucky. It's just, I guess that's all I can say, but when how did you find that partner? I met him in a music festival, <laughs> <laughs> super random. You want to hear the real story? Yeah, right, totally. Hear the real story. So dancing with my girlfriends at a music festival in San Diego and my girlfriend who bless her heart, Shauna is hilarious. And she smelled like I, she apparently this guy next to us smelled really good. And she grabbed his armpit arm and threw it up and stuck her nose under his armpit <sighs> And was like, what are you wearing? You smell amazing. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And who are you smelling my armpit? And that's how we met. Oh my God. <laughs> and so we became friends. And, and then I found and out. And had you started the business at that point? Or you I just had, kept in touch? I had started Chroma 1.0 as yeah. I so we had launched the first products of Chroma. And I had just, probably the week before meeting him, his name's Alex, I had just kind of completely decided to turn the company off, made a massive pivot because I saw a much, much, much bigger opportunity for Chroma than the first adaptogen super lattes that we launched with. I saw this much bigger business opportunity, um, opportunity for impact, all those things. And so I literally pulled the plug. So we're gonna go back to the drawing board and we're gonna recreate Beaming or Beaming Chroma. And then I met Alex the next week and he was in venture. He was venture capital guy and, and he had gone to Chicago booth and he'd been with McKinsey. So he had that financial acumen and operational background that I knew I needed. And we just became friends and I would ask him to do projects. So it was sort of a slow build. 
And then eventually he really saw how big the opportunity could be and dropped everything, left his business and came in with me, but it, it happened over time. So we were able to build a cadence and trust first. I love that. That's a, a lot of synchronicity, I would say in the timing of that. I, I couldn't have done this without him, honestly. I mean, there was a, there was a divine connection there for sure. Yeah. Um, and so then on the other side of the question around business partners and raising capital yeah, was one, and board, right? Your board. Yeah. How you find those partners to be on your board, whom you like actually can trust. And in your instance, where you didn't end up trusting them and they weren't the right people making the decisions. I think that just the, the mistake that I made with beaming is I didn't have the confidence to choose my board, meaning that the people who ended up on the board bought a seat on the board. Right. So somebody with a big, very big name said, I'll give you a million dollars, but I want to see it on the board. And at the time I didn't understand the power and the influence of a board. So I was very naive. And every person that ended up on the board was of the same. They're like, well, I'll give you this $500,000, but I want to see it on the board. So to me, it seemed like a fair exchange. Sure. Never do that now. Uh, knowing what I do and none of them had any experience in the space, nor did they really have really any respect for me and what the company was. Again, we all make mistakes. Let's hope we don't repeat them. Going into this the second time around, I didn't jump in to build a board. When people asked for a seat on the board, we said, no, we will build a board when it's time and when we need it and when it's appropriate. We didn't want to have other influences too soon. We just appointed our first board member officially yesterday. Um, and, and that's been a slow build as well. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. We've had the last six, nine months to work with him before we made the appointment. So I think it's also just being very just mindful and having the opportunity to hopefully work together before you appoint it. Sometimes you can't, like you've had obviously, you know, other larger venture money come in. And, and so sometimes it just gets appointed, but I think early on, it was critical for us to continue to maintain as much as control so that we can really navigate this with full flexibility. Yeah, that's super helpful. So before diving into Chroma today, I, I do want to step back a second to your comment of going through what you did. The breakup of beaming was like harder than your divorce. And so what were some of those, you're obviously super into holistic wellness. What were some of those tools that you did use to help you get you through that? And then ultimately to say, Hey, I want to start this again, because you could have been in this space to say like, I'm done. And this was so traumatizing that I can't do it again. Well, I think that wellness is in my DNA. So anything that I was going to do was going to be in wellness. So I wasn't scarred from that. I did go through moments of, and I mean, this sounds silly to say, but I went through moments of like, maybe I was a one hit wonder. Like maybe I can create one time. I remember leaving beaming and not being able to get a job. I remember thinking, well, won't people want to hire me? I mean, I create this great brand and people love it. And I remember I couldn't get a job and I, I just kept having these knockdowns and it was a couple years of that. I mean, I was holding on by a thread. I didn't have any money. It, it, I couldn't find inspiration. I wanted to create again. And I wanted to snap my fingers and be like, okay, here's the idea. And the idea wasn't coming or I would play with an idea and then realize the economics didn't work or I'd play with a different idea. So it was a very, very, very difficult, uh, many times very dark uh, couple years for me, um, just trying to navigate to... How do I carry all this passion that I have and this mission for wellness into something that's really going to make a difference, but also how do I find the, the strength in me to do it again, yeah. the confidence in myself to do it again? Cause I was pretty beaten up after that. And I think part of my big takeaway from that is, and, and I think maybe in my desire to share is that I think we all go through different moments in life where we hit bottom. And whether it is a divorce, whether it's a loss of a job, the loss of a company, whatever it might be, it's when you're in it, knowing that it's, it's that everything at this too shall pass, right? Everything we, you can get through it. And if you can get through it, knowing that what are the lessons here to learn? I used to go to bed every night and I'd say, what, what am I, what have I not learned yet? Please show me so that I can continue to grow and be ready for whatever that next thing is. And so it was a real deep moment for me in, in very introspective time. And then just remembering that when we are in those times and there's so much 
beauty that can come from it when we are willing to just sort of sit with it and allow the unfolding to kind of get to the other side. I love that. Thank you. So then how did, where did the inspiration for Chroma and what, how did you think of the name? Curious, but where did that all of a sudden come from? Well, so coming off the name Beaming, that was a really hard one because I think Beaming was about perfect right. ever. Um, I hope to get it back. I, I think so, because Beaming was the essence of what we want, right? The energy yeah. you give out energy you get back and how we all inspire each other and the power of that. So Chroma came, I can't take credit for it. I, the the graphic designer that I was working with at the time, she came up with it. It was a beautiful name in the sense that it's really the purity of color. And we've really translated that as the purity of mother nature um, and the vibrancy of that. So goji berries and matcha and turmeric and spirulina and all those things. So it, it's sort of, but I mean, we must've gone, I don't even know how many legal names I filed trying to find a name. And then we would choose a name and we go build a brand around it. And then the lawyer would come back and say, mm, I think we're gonna have a problem with this. Ugh. The amount of false starts we had, anyone trying to name a company right now, it's like near impossible. Cause I feel like every name has been taken. It wasn't easy, but when we got it, we got it. And I think it fits perfectly for the brand. I think, yeah. So I don't know what there's another question in that, but that's sort of how the name came about. What, what else did you ask me? I apologize. So then where the idea from Chroma? How did that, yeah. Well, so I'm obsessed with superfoods. So like for me, it was like, I, what's the next superfood thing? And because I am always scanning the market, I'm at Erewhon buying one of everything, tasting one of everything. I do believe in the power of superfoods. I, I know for me, I don't take any hormone medications or anything and everything I do is as natural as possible. You know, the, there'll be a time and place for it. But I do know that for me specifically, the superfoods and the foods that I eat absolutely influence my health, especially now. If you could have one superfood only, what would it be? I I'm Chroma started with matcha. It's, it's matcha all day, every day for me. Truly. I think matcha is one of the most powerful superfoods. I love maca too. I even had a dog named maca. (sighs) I think maca for hormone balancing and adrenal health and libido and all those things. I mean, I, those, and then turmeric, those would be my three, if I can choose three, okay. but, but matcha is my go-to and it's actually a big reason or how Chroma started. If I kind of reverse it back, I was a coffee drinker like many of us. And, but I had that, that experience of just the jitters and the irritability, some of the anxiousness that comes with it, the crash, but I didn't want to give up the morning latte. And so I really you know, of course had heard of matcha. This was maybe six years ago. And, and so I really, maybe five. And so I was trying to drink matcha because I knew of all the health benefits, but I didn't like it. And I thought it tasted dirty and grassy. And I was like, this is gross. Like I'm not giving up my latte for this, but I was committed. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out like, what's my new morning drink. Cause I know coffee is not serving me and I had gut issues and other things. So I really kind of dove head in, like I always do and went to just like, learn about matcha and find really good matcha and understand the difference between an organic ceremonial grade and all these different levels. And anyway, long story short, I taught myself to like matcha, found really beautiful matcha, immediately felt better and was like, wait, there's something here. Like it's improving my mood. My mental clarity is better. I feel very sustained. I'm just, I don't have that irritability. Like this is, this is incredible. And then of course, as a superfood junkie, I started adding other things to it. And I started adding collagen and turmeric and maca and spirulina and mushrooms and created this adaptogen concoction that became the way I started my day. And because I travel so much back and forth to LA to San Diego, I would take 10 superfoods with me get in the hotel, dump them all together, stir up my little matcha, my matcha latte in the morning. And then the light bulb went off. And I was like, what if I create products like this? <laughs> Duh. And at the time, you know, there's a lot more options like that out there. Although I don't think anyone's matcha latte. Matcha no, is yours is amazing. It's I had really, it this morning. You did. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with our beauty matcha. So it was really that kind of then started to give it to my friends and then they became obsessed. So that's how the first wave of Chroma happened with the four adapted and super lattes. And then from there I was doing, so I was like, I know it's bigger than this. The impact I want to make is much bigger than lattes. Yes. I want the world to drink matcha, but there's gotta be a better way to do this because one of the things that I really noticed, you know, certainly in D2C now is how do you get your product out there? 
then how do you convert it and how do you create retention where the people want to keep consuming it? And, you, and that comes through a change of habits and behavior. So how do you do that? Right. And that's not easy to do in today's market because it's so saturated and there's just so much, you know, it's just, it's a much harder, it's much harder to launch a company now, yeah, especially online. So um, I went back to the roots of what made Beaming so successful and decided to start with a, a, a cleanse, a reset, as we call it, because that's really where you change habits and behavior. And I got in the kitchen and started to create what I thought the next generation of cleansing could look like that was again, doing what Beaming already did, but doing it in this instant non-perishable format, sort of just add hot water, but really food-based that you focused on nourishment over deprivation and starvation, teaching people not only how to incorporate a matcha latte every morning on your program, but you know, where does bone broth fit in and how do I have this and how good do I feel when I have it or a, a turmeric latte or your breakfast porridge or all the different snacks and things that are on this program. What if I could create a program that would really give, deliver the results that people want. You want to feel good. You want to look good, right? You want that quick hit, but really set people up for long-term success so that when you leave the program, you have the tools to continue. And I think that so many of the programs and products out there are sort of like, okay, now what? Like I did that and now I don't know what to do. I lost five pounds, now what? And so I really felt like there was a gap in the market to come out with a program that was really a wellness program that would, again, give people what they wanted, but give them the tools to really continue to thrive so that you feel empowered. And that's always been what sort of my mission has been. And that's when I put the brakes on, got in the kitchen and we created the first beta program for Chroma. And that was back in early 2020. So it's only been a year. Well, we launched crazy enough. So that's when all the beta stuff started. We launched four or five months ago. So oh my God. Yeah. So we're brand new. We launched, um, end of July. Uh, timing. The timing with the pandemic just feels like time is such a strange thing to understand. And then during that time, of course, we go to raise money the day before the world shuts down. Oh my God. So that was, and, and of course, couldn't have a conversation with anyone to raise money because people were trying to figure out how to get toilet paper and not the time, not the time to go ask for money. So it was a couple of months where all I did was formulate and create and came up with the first beta program. And I had been working on it for a long time, but sure. And then put these first betas out to my friends. I'm like, Hey, you want to try the beta, which is exactly what I did with beaming. Honestly, talk about just going right back to your roots and called five friends. <laughs> you want to try to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they were freaking out and they were like, Oh my God, this is incredible this changed my life. And most of them lost eight pounds, which was incredible, but it was, but they, but they lost the weight in a really healthy way. Cause they were eating food. They were getting 1500 to 2000 calories a day in shock that they were losing weight, resetting and feeling good because of course it was during all the COVID stuff and just became obsessed with the products. By the time I finished raising all the money, we had done 130 betas. And mind you, those were being made in my kitchen with my daughter and I, mostly my daughter, because she sort of took over, but one by one, making one product at a time, labeling it. You know, oh my God. I can totally like feel that pain. Beaming, exactly how beaming started. Probably like you, right? When you yeah. were- I mean, when I started, we were putting one teaspoon at a time in red solo cups to make our mix. It was crazy. But those were magical times too. Oh, I just wish I had pictures of it, but- I would say that I just, as I said to you right before the call, I just tried the program right before the holidays and did the five days felt amazing. And to your point, like wanting to come back, genuinely wanting to buy more product because I just felt so good that it becomes like, how can I keep feeling this good? So what you've created is amazing and congratulations. Um, What are your, just out of curiosity? My, the chicken bone broth. Which I'm drinking right now. Yes. The matcha, which I too am similar in that I've been wanting to drink more matcha, but every time I have it, I don't love it. So I feel like I love this. I'm traveling on Thursday. I'm going to take it with me. I'll send you some single packets, by the way. And the cookie um, butter obviously is delicious. Very good. So when you formulated it, what is 
what is the five day kind of based on? Is it that like, why do you feel so good? Is it because there's such an array of vegetables, adaptogens, superfoods, et cetera, and you're cutting out inflammatory foods, like kind of the foundation of the foundational aspects. Yes, yeah. for sure. I think also because, I mean, it's a really balanced macronutrient profile. And so, and it's also very realistic in lifestyle, right? Yeah. So I, I looked at all the programs out there and anyone who's ever done a cleanse of any site, usually you have to remove coffee or caffeine. And I understand why it's, it's not great for your gut. It's very acidic, right? So if you're trying to create this homeostasis in your body, coffee is not great for that. But the other side of that is, is that if you're doing a cleanse and you take out coffee and you're, you're a coffee drinker, you're miserable for three or four days. And then by the time you're done, you're, you're like, finally, you feel better. And then you're going to go right back to coffee. You haven't learned anything. And so I really wanted to approach it from the standpoint of we're not going to take caffeine away. We're going to just show you a healthier way to caffeine and do it with something that I think in multiple days of doing it together, you're going to feel the difference of how you feel with a matcha latte with infused with collagen and other adaptogens. So it was really more of a, a realistic approach yeah. that it's incorporating, I think 120 different superfoods, things that you've all heard of, whether it was bone broth and turmeric and matcha and collagen and all these great things and nuts and seeds and hemp. And so all of it's sort of woven into this five-day program, but it's done in such a way that one, it tastes great. It's super easy and portable. There's no thinking, you know, and we're all so busy. The last thing we want to do is have to go prepare foods and read directions and try to figure things out. So it's kind of a combination of how do we fit today's busy lifestyle and then also make it taste great, super easy, high, high, high integrity ingredients, flavor forward, and then really this balanced macronutrients so that you are nourished and you are able to show up for work. You're able to do your workouts. You're able to be there for your kids and not be a raving bitch who's in, in freaking out in her bedroom. Right. And oh. all done those programs too. So I think it was just a, it was just a very like, Oh, this, this, this is, I could, I could live with many of these things, you know, woven into my daily life, not a punishment. Yeah. I love the nourishment aspect and that it's not deprivation. Like there were days I couldn't even finish everything because Most it was so don't. much. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other part. Cause I think a lot of it's about t- teaching the mindfulness, right? Yeah, and- for sure. It's like, I don't need this. I need it. Yeah. You know, and so, and I think so much of just the way that we live and I'm certainly guilty of it was, was just sort of going through the motions. And so the program, I, I hope gives you the opportunity to sort of slow down. You don't have to think about your food and what you're going to get at the store. It's just so simple that now you can really be mindful about how do I feel with this? Do I need that smoothie today? And do I need to add a little bit more to my broth because I had a really hard workout? And so the customizability of it, I think is really unique and also allows people to make it work for them and not assume that everyone's body is the same because it's, it's not. Totally. So given that it's been only about four months, um, obviously still brand new, but I'm curious as this is a totally different aspect from having a retail store, what your approach is to building the brand this time around and really being, you know, D to C and how that's been a, a shift for you. Yeah, it's a whole different world. I mean, I think that hopefully we'll maybe have the two coexist a little bit. Maybe there'll be a retail place, but oh, I that sounds D2C, exciting. Yeah, it's a little teaser alert. I think with D2C, you really have an opportunity, and, and same with retail, but you have that opportunity to really build that relationship and learn from your customers, right? And because we're really not doing retail, we have a couple of investors who we who have retail that we're going to partner with. But really our focus is D2C and how do we learn from our customers and, and learn how to navigate this, this crazy world online and, and, and really partner with people who can help us tell the world. That's very different than, than retail. Do you know you have to continually feed the system, right? Whereas you can open the restaurant, people love it, they kind of come and then it sort of just feeds on itself. In D2C, it's a constant funnel. And, and that's a whole new world for me. I mean, I don't have a background in D2C. I have been drinking out of a fire hose, learning, bringing on many experts and consultants and people to help us build the foundation of our D2C strategy and learning from them and then letting them also run the strategy and, and adding my input where I feel like I can add value. 
So you mentioned some partners, investors, would love just to touch on that for a moment because you have some amazing partners, Dr. Will Cole, who I'm a huge fan of, Gwyneth, of course, who everyone's a fan of. So curious if you could share any tips on like, how did you connect with these individuals for people who may want to reach out to someone they would never reach out to? What advice do you have? It was a very, I will say that outside of maybe one investor, I did not know any of them before they invested. And one of them was somebody from Beaming that came with me and invested later on down the road. Every investor, I think, is somebody that was new. And I will tell you, raising money during the COVID was a nightmare. Raising money at a time when many, many venture groups had been burned and had lost a lot of money by investing in a new company that was pre-proof of concept. They didn't want to invest anymore. They were very scared off. So we had, I don't know how many no's. And it takes that first yes, but that first yes is often not easy to get to. I literally went to everyone I know. I, I, it, it, there wasn't anyone in my Rolodex that I didn't try to share Chroma with. Of course, we had the beta program so that I had something to offer to yeah. get them to experience it. But, you know, it was, I went on LinkedIn, <laughs> like scouted people on LinkedIn. I literally did whatever I had to do to get to people who would help make an introduction. One of my friends, she made an introduction to Dick Costello from who's the former CEO of Twitter. And he was the first check and he made some introductions. And the second check was from Brian Meehan, the CEO of Blue Bottle Coffee. And the third was the first guy in Peloton. And so I started to build this incredible group of investors who really believed in me first and foremost. And, and then of course the vision of the, of the company and what we were doing. And so that sort of, it just kept, and then, and then a woman named Jenny Lefcourt came in and she made some great introductions and then it just kept going from there. But we hit a moment and it's an important one to mention because when we were raising two and a half million and we had raised half of it. And we were at a really critical juncture because it was, it was time to push go, but I didn't have the money to do it. And this was in February. And I woke up one morning and I had, was pretty exhausted from raising money. Cause you know, exhausting, you, <laughs> exhausting. it's very, um, I, I'll say defeating, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of people are telling you your baby's ugly and it's just, yeah, but not now. And, and so you really have to be very resilient. But I woke up and end of February and I was crying and I was like, I'm exhausted and I want to push go. I want to bring this vision to life. Like, why is this so hard? And I got a text from one of our investors, Melody McClowski, who's the CEO of Style Seat and who I love. And she said, check your email. And there was an email from Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, Oh my God. So that was one of those very magical moments that I probably should to frame. I was not personal friends with, with, with Gwyneth. So that was really sort of came out of nowhere. Although she was on my vision board and I knew she liked beaming when she found out that I had a new wellness brand and she apparently was a big fan of that. She reached out and said, I'd love to learn more. So those were those yeah, moments. It must've just been so magical for you. I, yeah, I, I can, I will probably go forever, go back to that moment. Um, and then invited me to meet her and her family and stuff. So that was um, pretty game changing and she's been incredibly supportive. And then from there, other conversations just kind of built on that. And eventually we had Jessica Seinfeld and Amy Schumer and Amy Griffin, Candace Nelson from Sprinkles, Greg Renfrew from Beauty Counter, just an incredible group of, of Mostly women, we're 90% funded by women now, but you know, great men as well. And what I love about our group of investors is, is that they're very, I'd say they're active without being in the way. And so they're, they've really helped us launch the brand, help us tell the world. They're very engaged. If I ask them to do a video or something or a reel, they'll do that. They're very excited and supportive, which I think is very unique yeah. for, for most investors engagement. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. So I want to get into a bit about you personally. And as you just said, vision board, it made me think, so we have a mutual friend, Danielle, founder of Nutso. And I remember her telling me back in the day that you guys would do manifesting days right around New Year's, right? Used to hold them at your house. So I know that you must have some sort of exercise around visioning and just kind of a question around how you get into your flow. You're obviously so creative. What does that look like for you? I love the question and I love, you're right. Should we did 
every January we would do these manifesting, right? You choose a word for the year that really was sort of your mantra for the year, right? Whether it was grace or believe or love or whatever. And we would do this circle and, and we would share and it was, it was really beautiful. And I'd like to keep doing that again. So for me, it's just really about that, that, that clarity of vision and, and being able to dream. I'm, I am a dreamer. I do believe anything is possible. I don't get into the hokey pokey of if I dream this tomorrow, it's going to show up. Although that's happened many, many times. And I yeah. freak out a lot of people when it does happen. And they're like, how did you do that? But, you know, I think it is, I mean, Gwyneth, Gwyneth was always somebody that I wanted to have involved. And I, I knew in my heart, she would be at some point. I didn't expect it to happen now. Right. And so I had a vision for having an incredible group of investors who would be really passionate and excited. I didn't name who they were. So in that case, I was very clear about this is what I want. This is and why and believe that I could it, it could happen. Right. I think that's the important part of it. And then also just being open to the possibilities of something greater. I think what we get stuck sometimes if we get if we're so stuck on one, it has to look some way one way. Yeah. I think we'll often be disappointed, but if you kind of put it out there as this sort of bigger vision, I, I do think that magic, you know, will happen. Obviously you have to do the hard work to get there, but for lack of better, I, I would say it's really believing that, that, that is that, that or something greater is possible. I love that. All right. Well, we're going to jump into some rapid fire Q and a, cool. the best advice that you've gotten in the past six months. You know, I think there's just being a great leader. And I think that what's really hard, I've been reading a lot of articles on this recently, is that when you're in a position of leadership, you have your own to-do list, right? And you have so many things that you're trying to accomplish and get done. And I'm really learning and very much understanding that my role is to also make sure that I can really lead my teams. And at the end of the day, you could have the best idea in the world, but the idea is only as good as the people. And so I think for me, it's really learning about how to be a leader and, and really being present to support them so they can do their best work. Yeah. That's so important for sure. Your favorite Chroma product. Matcha, our beauty matcha. I would say I do. I have about, I have Chroma about five to eight times a day. I literally live on it. So does my daughter, but I cannot go without the beauty matcha every day. I, I just, I feel the difference. Give it hot or cold or you switch. Okay, it depends. I mean, yeah. on a cold day like this, mostly, mostly hot, but if I have it in the afternoon, sometimes I'll have it cold. It's delicious both ways. Yeah. Three random things that you're currently loving. I am loving. Okay. So there's this new, <laughs> there's this new cocktail. It's a, um, it's a hard seltzer called a Moss, A-M-A-S-S. Oh, I love and that packaging. Is that obsessed. great bottle, right? Yes. Yeah. And they have like, Soho House and stuff, but they have this hard seltzer that's like made with superfoods. I discovered them at the Aloe Winter House when we were part of that. And I'm totally obsessed and everyone I've turned it on to. And it's just like hundred calories, one gram of sugar. If Chroma was a cocktail, that's it, it would be a must. So I love that. I'm, I'm going to make that a new rapid fire. If your product, if your brand was a cocktail, what would it be? <laughs> Totally, I love that. That's fun. <laughs> um, that is fun. Um, I am obsessed with, well, I am really loving, my kids are, two of my three kids are leaving next year. So I will be close to an empty nester. So I'm loving really trying to be more present with them in the midst of obviously growing a company and they're older, but just being present and kissing them and hugging them and watching a movie and just snuggling up with them. I have 17 and 18 year old boys and my daughter who's 23 works for Chroma. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm, I'm most, you know, loving the most right now. And then I will say randomly Pizana pizza. If you know that Candace Nelson's um, new pizza place is going to is launching their home delivery of pizza. And mm. I am obsessed with their pizza and their desserts, but they have really good gluten-free and I cannot wait for the home delivery, which is going to launch any, any time now. So random, but that might be one of my other favorites. That's a good one. Cause I've been dying to try. It's so, yeah, no, she's, she's brilliant. I love her. What do you want more of in your life? Playtime. What do you want less of? Uh, headaches, <laughs> um, just, just the intensity of, of building a company and just some of the, the challenges, which 
sort of go with the territory. A meal that you'll never forget. I think that, oh man, there's so many. And then when somebody asks you, you can't remember. I know. There, there was one. Okay. I know so there was one in Boston. It was super random. And it was a, it was a sushi restaurant that a very um, famous chef had said, you have to go check out the sushi restaurant. And I think it was called, Oh yeah. I don't even know if it's there anymore, but the chef won the James Baird award the night that I was there. Oh my and God. That's so cool. Same sushi of my life, which you'd think in this back alley of Boston, like that wouldn't be the first thing I would think of, but that's one of the first ones that sort of came to mind. Love that. Your superpower. Probably, I would say it's, it's connecting with people, but I think it's probably more about getting people excited to kind of be part of the movement, whether it's our investors or it's our followers or whoever it is that people, I think really buy into the energy of, of what I've created and what we've created. And I think I was told once by our investors that I'm the best brand proliferator. (laughs) I think I'd agree. <laughs> What's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Um, exercise. I will always move. I've been moving since I was a little girl. And even when I don't have time, I will make time. I, if it means I'm on a conference call and I'm on a run or a power walk, I will, I will always move it and significantly get some sort of exercise in at least five days a week, no matter what. What's your favorite running, walking, anything? So I used to be, I used to teach spin and boot camps. So I'm very self-motivated. So I think for efficiency, I love hit workouts and I'll just do them myself. I'll go for the runs, run the sprints, jump rope. I'm, I used to be the state jump roping champ for no way. Colorado um, in wow. third grade. And so I can still do the same moves that I could do when I was in third grade. Sounds which, like a TikTok video that could go viral. <laughs> so it's so funny you say that. There's a, what's the girl's name, Lex? That, that's viral right now. So there's a girl that's on TikTok who like became this huge thing on jump roping and I'm obsessed. Oh, with doing, I want to do a duo with her. You totally should. <laughs> so, um, especially at my age, it's pretty funny, but so like hit workouts and anything that's like fast and efficient, it, it's, it's so important for the mind and for your energy and just how you show up in the world. It's not just about the, the, the kind of aesthetic and physical. Totally. I could not agree more. So in closing, what's next for Chroma? Well, January is a big month. <laughs> so uh, right now we're hiring our teams, getting people in place, getting ready to scale. We just launched three products, new products. This past week, we launched a one-day reset, sort of the one-day VIP reset. And then we launched our matcha box. Uh, we have three more products coming out in February, including like a performance coffee and we launched the company four months ago with about 19 products and the five-day wellness program. So our focus is really about educating and really getting Chroma out there, helping people understand obviously who we are, what this program is, how it's different, and then help how to really help people incorporate it into their daily life. Our focus is really building, continuing to build the foundations so that we can scale and grow. And maybe bring back those chocolate chip cookies. And you know what? And it, it's, it's, it might happen sooner than you think. <laughs> Now that I've had three votes in the last- It's totally a sign. It's synchronicity. So we have exciting giveaway. We have three lucky winners are going to win a one-day deluxe reset, if you wanted to say what that includes. But in order to enter the giveaway, you have to comment on our Instagram post for the podcast and then follow Chroma on Instagram. I'm so excited too, because we literally just launched this a couple of days ago and it has uh, a full one day reset, which the one day resets vegan. Plus we um, added the beauty matcha, of course, because everyone has to have that. And that one does have collagen. And then it has the cookie butter, which USA Today named as the best gift for foodies. And it awesome. has the, uh, the chroma mug right here that I love that is like from Elemental and our chroma frother. So it's a great, it's a great item. Awesome. Well, three lucky winners can enter. And then we also have a discount code that will provide a discount. And what is that code? And it's purely 10. And is that for the reset or for anything on the site? Anything. 
Anything. So you can do the reset. You can try our bone broth, beauty matcha. It's 10% off whatever you want. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was so good to see you and so excited to see what's next for you and Chroma. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This was a blast. I really, I love seeing you and I, I love, I'm honored to have had the time with you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.